0: The following audio is from Shiloh Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. More information about Shiloh Presbyterian Church is available at shilohopc.org. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Start reading at verse 14, actually, and read through to the end of verse 16. Our text tonight is verses 15-15. And 16. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Let us hear the word of God. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the bre- breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> we pray now, Lord God, for the hearing of faith, that you will speak through me to your people, that each one of us might hear. Lord, we confess our need for you is absolute in every aspect of our lives, in our worship, our hearing, our speaking now. Be pleased to bless us richly, we pray, with the ministry of your Spirit, that we might render to you all praise and glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> well, we're continuing our journey through Paul's closing Uh, instructions and exhortations in this epistle. Uh, And as we work our way through this armor of God, I want to remind you last week of how Pastor Ocken approached uh, the uh, exposition of the verses he considered. Uh, The principal thing to which he uh, brought our attention was the fact that the armor of God is precisely that. It is the armor of God it is not mere human cunning or strength or armor that we have available to us uh, the armor here is the armor of the lord and his messiah whose character and work whose character and work are the very substance of the different pieces of armor given to us as christians that that's the fundamental thrust I think of what Pastor Rockham was saying and what I want to say this night. The armor we have is the character and activity and work and the attributes of Almighty God and of his Messiah. We have tonight the shoes of the gospel of peace and the shield of faith which speak further of the character of God and of his work in us, to us, and for us. And so our great duty as Christians is to avail ourselves of that great power. It's not to find some sort of inner strength uh, within ourselves according to our own abilities. It is to avail ourselves of God's great character and his power and his work on behalf of of the Christian. And as we do that, we will most assuredly stand. We've seen that emphasis on standing in the evil day, standing the attacks of Satan, standing fast. As we do that, as we avail ourselves of the character and the work of God on our behalf, we will indeed stand. We will stand if we firstly, verse 15, put on the shoes of gospel peace— the shoes of gospel peace. And secondly, then in verse 16, if we take up the shield of faith, we will indeed stand before God. The shoes of gospel peace. And to ask us tonight, what is the gospel? If we're to put on the shoes, the the readiness of given by the gospel of peace, what is the gospel? And as soon as we ask that question, we are not only led to an answer which affects us, we're led to an answer which displays the character of God. Perhaps we can say this, nothing, perhaps nothing in Scripture more clearly shows the character of God than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. From start to finish, the gospel speaks to us of God himself, It speaks to us about the one who, before time began, had a desire towards his people so great that he elected us in the Saviour before the foundation of the world. We see his character revealed in the gospel, in his commitment to it. Throughout the breadth of Scripture, the history of redemption unfolded as we see God enter covenant, as we see God give promise and bring to pass uh, time by time the contents of those covenants. We see the character of God revealed in the great truths and texts of Scripture, perhaps most clearly something like John 3.16. We have not only the fact he provided us a son and a saviour, we have the reason why he did so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We see God's character in the cross. We see his justice his righteousness, as well as his deep love and his mercy. Indeed, we see the character of God, the manifold character of God revealed to us very clearly in the gospel. And just so that we're clear, the gospel is not anything we do. Uh, we can't be the gospel. Jesus Christ is the gospel the gospel is if we can put it this way god's heart and god's actions towards sinners we're emphasizing this because we're saying that the the gospel of peace yes it's something we're to do but it tells us more about god perhaps even more than something we are to do Paul speaks of this gospel of peace, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Why peace? Well, the gospel is intimately related to peace. Peace is an essential product of the gospel. We have peace with heaven in the gospel we have peace with each other in the gospel of the lord jesus christ use the language of scripture romans 5:1 therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ the gospel speaks to us of peace with god it also speaks to us of peace with each other uh, ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Peace is an essential element, a product of the gospel. In other words, the gospel is about reconciliation. And that manner of reconciliation helps us understand more about these shoes of gospel peace. Because the shoes of gospel peace, as with every other item of this armor, is designed to withstand particular attacks of Satan. It's not just some generic armor that's nice to put on. This armor is given to us because each element, each piece of this armor, withstands Satan in his peculiar attacks against the Christian. We can think about reconciliation. Peace with God, peace with each other. How do we see this peace in reconciliation in the gospel? We see it, first of all, in the doctrine of regeneration, where our hearts are turned away from self unto God, and his mercy in Christ. Repentance and faith surely follow where there is regeneration. Secondly, we can think of the gift of faith. We'll hear more of that in a moment in verse 16, but it's by faith that God unites us to his Son, Jesus Christ, from which all obedience flows. Third, we can think about another obstacle to this reconciliation, sin. In the gospel, our sins are dealt with once for all, finally removed from, our, from us. We can think another element of this reconciliation is righteousness. The righteousness that we have is the righteousness of Christ himself. We receive it by faith and it is imputed to us. In short, we have peace with God and that peace is multifaceted it's based on a a multitude of works that God does in our life. So we ask ourselves then, why is this gospel peace part of the armour of God? Pastor Ocken directed our attention last week to the fact, yes, that this is messianic armour it is Christ's armour. It has some reference not just to his person, but his role as the anointed one of God. Do we not learn in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, what's the last title given to our Lord? It's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. You see, part of his work is not just to come to save sinners but it speaks of a reign and rule which is now present and is for all eternity a reign and rule of peace. He will establish peace forevermore. Peace is part of that mission, part of that rule of Christ. And here the Holy Spirit is saying to us, arm yourselves with that reality. Clothe yourself with this rule of peace of the Messiah. That's why Paul is speaking in this fashion. He says, and as shoes for your feet. He's really saying, stand therefore, verse 14, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Readiness. Just be ready, as the Roman soldier would, would put his own uh, sandals on that would sandals designed to give him a sure footing in the midst of battle. We also are to be ready for that spiritual battle, and yet these shoes are particular shoes they're shoes of the gospel of peace why. Because they thwart Satan's peculiar attacks against us as Christians. It's really important we understand this. The Gospel of Peace thwarts peculiar and pointed attacks from Satan to you as a Christian and us as the church. There's probably many ways in which Satan seeks to attack us. I want to look at three. Satan's first attack against the Christian is perhaps this, to get him to doubt that he or she is saved. To get him to doubt God's favor towards him, to doubt the effectiveness of the person and work of Christ. Yet the gospel of peace gives us a sure footing, a firm footing foundation, a good standing to resist this particular attack of Satan. We sing this in our songs. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. And that, friends, is simply capturing the reality of what Scripture says about the gospel of peace. When we begin to doubt, is Christ's work sufficient? Do I need to add to it? We read something like this in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 13. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And listen to what he says now. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to an open shame by triumphing over them. Satan is put to shame in the gospel. Because the challenge, the temptation that he puts before us, have I done enough? Am I good enough? Is Christ sufficient? Is undone instantly by the gospel of peace. Christ is not insufficient or perhaps we can go elsewhere in scripture as well as well romans chapter 8 verse 35 we begin to doubt again that assurance we read these words who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword no says paul In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul continues, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, Satan is an angel, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see how the gospel of peace, the shoes of the gospel of peace, thwart the lies of Satan about the sufficiency of Christ? The gospel says, yes, Christ has done it all. There's a clear and a divine message of Scripture. Those whom God has saved will never be separated from the love of God. And friends, this is a truth that we need to minister to ourselves and, if needs be, to each other in times of hardship. There are times of need. There are times of trouble. There are times of doubt. Clothe yourself with the shoes of the gospel of peace to thwart this attack of Satan. But Satan also seeks to cause an uh, attacks the Christian, not only in his relationship with God, but in his relationship with other Christians. He seeks to do what? To cause division and strife and schism. But the gospel of peace tells us something remarkably different to what Satan would do. The gospel reminds us that the church is not a social club. It's not a sports club. The gospel tells each Christian here tonight, you are blood-bought by Christ, and so is the Christian sat next to you. And there's no club in the world that can ever tell you that, but the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read from Ephesians 2 verse 14, the gospel breaks down walls that divided people breaks down walls that divide us from each other. The gospel of peace tells us that broken and damaged relationships can be healed, that we can have peace with each other just as we have peace with God. Another attack of Satan, thwarted by the shoes of gospel readiness and peace, is when Satan tells us that sin is light and easy, and has no consequences. And the gospel tells us the very opposite. The gospel, yes, it readies us to fight sin, but it most assuredly reminds us of the heaviness and seriousness and the deep and dark consequences for sin. The cross of Jesus Christ, tells us that sin is not easy and light and without consequences jesus died for sins not his own yet the gospel also does something else for us it turns us away from sin turns us away from self you see in the gospel the spirit is given to the christian to indwell the christian to turn our hearts away from self and sin, and to set them upon God, that we might desire that which is good and true and noble. The gospel of peace reminds us, dear friends, that while Satan is great, he is not greater than God. He is not greater than the Messiah of God. Therefore, dear friends, Put on the gospel shoes. Put them on. Be acquainted with the gospel. Minister the gospel to yourself day after day after day to your families, to your loved ones, to your friends. Minister that gospel. Meditate upon it. Know it in its constituent parts so that you may be able to withstand the attacks of satan the shield of faith is like unto the gospel of peace the shield of faith is there in verse 16 notice what paul says in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one There's a lot to say there. I I, I can't cover it all. But if you simply read it, you can see there's a time in all circumstances, an occasion. Uh, There is an item of, of armor, the shield of faith. What that does, it allows you to extinguish the flaming darts. And it tells us that there's many flaming darts, all the flaming darts of the evil one. The attack is great. The battle is real. And we know that people fall away because of it. I'm sure we've all known people who have fallen away because of the heat of the battle. The Holy Spirit says to you today, stand therefore, taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Just as Pastor Rockin did and we did in the first point, let's think about what faith tells us about God because this is God's armor. What is faith? And how does it reflect God's character? That's an interesting question, isn't it? It's easy, verse 14, to say, well, truth, that's an attribute of God. Righteousness, another attribute of God. Verse 15, the gospel is God's own rescue plan. What then is faith? And how does faith speak to us of the character of God? Faith actually tells us much about the character of God. It's the heart of the second commandment. It's but the heart of how the Christian can approach God Almighty. We know that faith is the gift of God, Ephesians 2. It's his gift to give, our gift to receive. It originates in him, and he does everything to make faith happen, to give it to us. We know faith is of God. We also know what faith is. We're told in Scripture, Hebrews is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Unseen. And that, friends, is why faith is necessary. I don't have faith that I'm standing at a pulpit. I know it as a fact. I'm here. I see it. I can touch and handle the pulpit. Faith is the evidence the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We need faith because God calls us to believe unseen realities. That's really important. God calls us as Christians to believe in unseen realities, to believe in truth, past, present, and future. He calls us to believe in him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, whom we have not seen. Yet we believe. We have not seen God. He's a spirit. Christ is in heaven. Faith, dear friends is the only mechanism by which we may savingly behold the invisible, transcendent God. Now, we can see faith, we can see, see God in other ways, through providence and creation, but savingly, and then we understand providence and creation once we've been saved, so, so true knowledge of God is only found how? Through faith. We see God. We comprehend him as much as is humanly possible under the creature, understanding the creator. Faith, friends, is God's way, not our way. We wouldn't have it this way if we could write the script. We just wouldn't. We'd have something solid and firm that we we can touch and handle. That's the way we do things. We want to be sure according to what? Our own senses. God says step outside your own senses, not in denial of what you see, but to see and know and understand, and yes, to believe in God, it requires faith. Faith to see that which is unseen. Faith to apprehend the Saviour. Faith to believe the promises. Faith to lay hold Of eternity. Faith tells us much about God. God would have us believe Him and believe in Him by faith rather than us basing our understanding of Him upon the conclusions of our natural, ignorant, and often irrational minds. Faith is the gift from God that believes God on his terms, that approaches God on his terms, that worships God on his terms. Not the terms or imaginations of our own heart, or if you watch Hollywood, not the imaginations of someone else's heart. That's why the second commandment prohibits making images of God because God would not have us approach him through images made by man, but by faith. The only image created is a word image, and it's right here in our hands. That's how God will have us approach him. He will have us believe him, and he will give us that faith. God, therefore, friends, he calls us to receive him, his son, by no other means, than by faith and that's precisely why faith is likened unto a shield in our text in all circumstances take up the shield of faith a friend of mine is is known for saying faith is essentially extrospective well what in the world does that mean Well, we know what introspective means. It means to look inside ourselves, to examine deep within us. Extrospection is the opposite. It is not to look inside ourselves. It is to look outside of ourselves. Faith has us looking out. Faith has us looking up to God and his Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith has us looking up to transcendent realities, to Christ in all his goodness, in all his graces, in all his benefits, in all his fulfillments, his fullness, his sonship, his righteousness, his holiness, faith will have us behold Christ. And in looking out, we are prevented from collapsing in upon ourselves. Many of you will perhaps remember last year the tragedy of the submarine titan uh, produced by the ocean gate company of exploration the submersible carrying five people was going to go down to the thousands of feet depth to look at the titanic wreck it never resurfaced five days later they found the wreckage of that submersible crushed on the ocean floor As it went deeper and deeper and deeper, its structure was unable to withstand the thousands of tons of water pressure on it. And experts suggest that in a shorter period of time than it takes for the mind to work, to process an idea, that submersible was just crushed. imploded, not exploded, imploded under the pressure of the water. Friends, that's a good image, I think, of what would happen to us if we didn't have faith. You might look around and say, well, there's plenty of unbelievers not imploding. I can assure you they are. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, by his common grace, stopping the implosion, it would happen to every one of us. If we lived our lives truly without God's protection, we would implode. Faith, dear friends, is the shield that ultimately and eternally stops that implosion of our lives. We are guarded by the shield of faith Faith says to you tonight, dear Christian, look out, look beyond, look above to your elder brother, Jesus Christ, to whom you are united. Faith says to you tonight, dear friends, every pressure, every tragedy, every heartache, which are real and severe, not only does your saviour know them, he will ultimately make them right. Even death, the great and last enemy, has been defeated by your strong saviour. You see, faith is a shield that deflects all Satan's pressures that would otherwise cause us to implode if we were left to our own devices. Faith deflects the pressures of hopelessness. Faith deflects the pressures of loneliness. Faith deflects the urge in each one of us to produce our own righteousness. Faith deflects the pressures put upon us to atone in ourselves for our sins. Faith deflects the temptations of the lusts of the flesh. Faith detects the passion for revenge. And we could go on and on and on and on every attack that satan can bring against us is deflected by faith because faith turns us not inward to ourselves where there is no strength but turns us to the messiah of god be careful friends you're not called to have faith in faith It's not faith in a set of propositions that saves you faith didn't die on the cross it's faith in a person jesus of nazareth the messiah of god faith in the triune god through jesus christ is the only way faith is not a work you see we don't situate ourselves on faith alone it's faith alone in christ alone Faith in the God-man. Faith in the one who took away our sins. Faith in the one who provides perfect righteousness and sh- and sonship and perseverance. Faith, dear friends, connects us to the immeasurable greatness and wisdom and power and righteousness and justice and goodness of God found in Jesus Christ christ through faith in christ the christian knows more satisfaction than we could ever imagine that's why paul says to us in all circumstances take up the shield of faith in other words friends there is not a moment in our lives where we we cannot as it were take our foot off the gas there's not a day in our lives where our life will not be in some measurable way worse off by not communing with the triune god in faith it's as if we're taking our armor off for the day and saying lord i'm good today Good luck with that. The shield of faith deflects. Actually, that's not what the text says, is it? It doesn't just deflect and bounce off. It extinguishes. Those flaming arrows shot by Satan. They thud, as it were, into the shield of faith and their effectiveness is put out. They are extinguished. Resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. Dear Christian, we're hearing what Pastor Rocken has said last week and taught us in this message tonight. This is what we are called to do as Christian. We're called to adopt a power and wisdom and goodness and grace that is far, far beyond us. We're to clothe ourselves in the character and the work of, Of Almighty God. And we're to know that character. You see, the more we know the character and the work of God, the better we are are, are able to put that armour on. It's more secure on us in that sense. It's more effective for us. (coughs) You see, we're to look to the character and the work of God for us, in us, and on our behalf. The greatest duty. Of all biblical duties, and there are many duties for the Christian, and they're preached openly from this pulpit by both your pastors what we are to do, the greatest duty is to believe. And that's wonderful, because it's God who gives faith, it's God who strengthens our belief. Where to adopt, where to clothe ourselves with this incredible power. And dear friend, if you're here this evening and you don't know this Saviour of whom we're talking about, come and talk to us. We'd love to talk to you more about Him. We'd love to tell you more of the Saviour in whom there is this remarkable protection. And not just protection from the troubles of this life, but the removal of your sins, the granting of righteousness to you, and a place in heaven itself with that Saviour. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it this very night, and you shall be saved. And for you, dear Christian, keep believing. Keep trusting. Stand, therefore, not in your own strength, or in your own armor. Be strong in the Lord and in his might. Utilize to the fullest extent the power that is at work in you, and in that way you will stand. And you won't just stand, you will prosper, and you will glorify God, and you will enjoy him forever. Let's pray. Our Father, we confess we are undeserving of the least of your mercies unto us. Our sin is great. Indeed, it mounts up to the heavens. But you, Lord, dwell in the highest heaven. A heaven full of grace and mercy, kindness and compassion. And this is what you have bestowed upon us we bless you, Lord Christ, the mighty conqueror, the great King, the glorious warrior to whom we bring our praises. Work in us, Lord God, what is pleasing in your sight, and grant that each one of us here this day, young to old, might stand fast. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.